Howard Stern. Anywhere, everywhere. I approve of this show. Sirius XM. On today's show, Howard reunites with actor. Hasta la vista, baby. Governor. I want to be the governor for the people. I want to represent everybody. And Mr. Universe. One and only, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We love you, Howard. You do? Are, are, are you kidding me? Now, every single time I've done an interview with you, we had a great time. And the reaction of the people afterwards was always fantastic. Why? Because you are a great fucking interviewer. Schwarzenegger today with his book, Be Useful, and I like the book, so uh, looking forward to seeing him. And uh, yeah, I was a busy boy yesterday doing a lot of business for the show. I'm always working for this show, Robin. You know that. Yes, I, uh, you are. Working overtime. I actually had a brief conversation with the one and only Keith Richards, my man my hero you talk and, to keith uh, i talked to keith for about five minutes on the phone and keith's gonna do an interview and uh i can't wait i can't wait wow so you know that's the man right there how was it i mean were you nervous what what, what was it like i was i said i i said to him keith you know i'm a little intimidated here you're my hero and he goes you're fucking Howard Stern. Oh, no. He goes, you're Howard fucking Stern. I go, and we started laughing, and uh, we were off to the races. That's great. He put you right at ease. All right. Yeah, he did. He's a good man. Good man. And, uh, I mean, you know, when you think about all the songs that he wrote, you know, all these riffs, I told him, I, I said, Keith, I might be Howard fucking Stern, but I never wrote a decent riff in my life. <laughs> Or this one, maybe. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, it's one of those moments where, again, if you would have said to me when I was a boy, I'd be on a phone call with Keith Richards, uh, I would have said, you're insane. Because, I mean, my, my memories of the Rolling Stones go back so far. And they they probably had a bigger impact on me than... I mean, aside from my parents, I can't think the of a Rolling bigger Stones influence. Uh, yeah. I remember, I'll tell you, the memories I have of the Rolling Stones are crazy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Exile on Main Street more than any album. Oh, what an album that was. But I, I remember, like, even as a little kid, I read, I got to ask Keith about this. I read in the newspaper that the Rolling Stones were such bad boys that they were in America and they were all at a gas station and they peed outside the gas station. In other words, they didn't go into the bathroom. They just peed right there by the pump. Uh. And uh, they got arrested or something happened. I went, whoa. Those dudes are really bad, like badass. Now, I, I'm telling you, I don't know if it's for real or not, but it was like it. it, it I don't remember they, that story. <laughs> I, I I remember it so clearly and so vividly 
because I was like, whoa, those those guys aren't just musicians. They're like fucking, they do whatever they're they like want. They're like outlaws. <laughs> outlaws, yeah. <laughs> like, they're not the Beatles. The Beatles would never pee uh, at, a, at a gas station like that. So... I just remember, oh man, the fucking stones are badass. And then, of course, the songs, every song I know. I remember when this one came out. Crumbling Dice from Exile on Main Street. What an album. That album had this song on it. It had this song on it. Happy. Another great riff. It also had a song on, I think might be my favorite Rolling Stones song. All Down the Line. Listen to that riff. I couldn't believe it when I heard that song. I get the chills to this day. What a fucking song all down the line. And he wrote all those with Mick. And I got to figure out with him how he did it. Like, because um, I said to Keith last night, I go, you know, he goes, well, well you know, what do you want to do? I go, dude, I want to know about the music. And he goes, well, really, it makes sense to talk about music. got to listen to it. That's what Paul Simon said, too. Absolutely. Paul had but, the same feeling. Like, meanwhile, about music is not getting to music. Yeah, meanwhile, Paul had plenty to say about music. I know, I know. Yeah, when right. you finally open him up, you crack him, <laughs> and he's full of talk about music. Yeah. Uh, believe me, it, it, there's plenty to talk about, because I still do not understand, as a non-musician, and I don't know I don't know why this is so important to me, and I, I still have not gotten a good explanation. I'm hoping Keith can give it to me. I don't understand how Keith and Mick write a song. Keith comes up with a lick, like, uh, and he walks in and he goes, I mean, okay, but then there's a whole bunch of other music in the song beside that thing, you know, right. beside, you know what I mean? And like, you write it, but there's no singing over it. How do you write a song without the guy singing the melody over it? Does I don't understand. Does he complete the whole thing, the whole music bed? That's what that's what I want to know. Present it to to Mick. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, how do you pre how do you create a music bed if you don't know what the guy's going to sing over it? And how and does the guy does that guy do when he listens to it? Right, I don't <laughs> understand the process. It's so fucked up. Like 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 does Keith say to Mick? I hear e e e e okay. And then I hear you come in and go, like, like, how does that, uh, I mean, well, I'm and, listening to the riffs and then, you know, I know what the song is and I'm like, that's incredible. It is like, incredible. First of all, that he had so many riffs that he created. Like, I yeah. mean, they're all iconic. They're all amazing. And he kept coming yeah. up with them. What a drag it is getting old. 
Yeah, I know. All these riffs. Fucking and amazing. he's like the orchestra leader where he comes in and says, Charlie, I want you to do this. Yeah, I know. Who calls the shots? Uh, I don't understand how those two guys write. I never, I, but no one's ever been able to explain it to me. So I'm relying on Keith Richards to tell me how he does it. Because Keith was like, well, what do, what do you want to talk about? And I go, dude, I want to talk about you. I don't, anything, anything about you I want to know. Because this guy has an amazing life. It, like, for example, when he's a little kid and he didn't grow up in the best of circumstances, I won't get into it now, but how did he have the fortitude to keep practicing the guitar? Like, yeah, like, where did that come from? Because where does that come people from? need structure right. to get, you know, something done. Crazy. Um, and then that whole period of time in history, I remember back in like, like 1972, Nixon was the president and the Stones were named the most dangerous rock and roll band in the world by the Nixon administration. Like, what the fuck? It must have been so scary. Yeah, what, they were musicians. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was they so scary about them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine like you're in a band and, and then, and then like Nixon somehow finds you and has you on his shit list. That's pretty scary. That's pretty scary. You know, I, I gotta say in my life, when the, when the government was really going after me with, you know, all my stupidity on the radio when they were fining me, that was pretty scary for me. I, I just remember feeling like, ooh, this feels dangerous. And, uh, and, um, I don't know. Even today, today feels dangerous. Everything feels dangerous when it comes to politicians and when they start shoving their noses into culture. It's just really scary. And Nixon was a fucking kook, you know. I mean, he could he could really fuck with you. He tried to fuck with John Lennon. He tried to fuck with the Stones. It's crazy. And we invited Elvis in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Elvis get you know, like, it's kooky. Because Elvis somehow became, like, a conservative. Oh, yeah. Coming at you. WNBC, we've got Give Me Shelter for you from the Rolling Stone. I am BB. Remember when B.B. would be doing a talk, I'd be going, I am B.B. Wow. How did he come up with that? <laughs> you know, we I don't know. And his genius. <laughs> he was so he was so fucking proud of being B.B. Like, uh, was, we work with this guy, Alan B.B. He was, uh, <laughs> and you know, being Alan B.B., you know, you're playing music on WNBC. So you have to come up with something, something. That people respond to when he would go, I, right to the music, like to the tune, I am BB. And you'd go, Oh, <laughs> it's BB. WNBC. Can't you hear me knocking for God's sakes? I am BB. WNBC. I was, uh, I didn't want to be derivative, but I almost went with WNBC. I am Howard. <laughs> P 
People would have gone wild. I am Howard. WNBC. <laughs> How did Keith come up with that? How did he do that? Where did that come from? I am Howard. <laughs> My job, of course, was to take Keith Richards' music and talk over it. <laughs> WNBC, 11 minutes past 7. That's uh, 11 past 7, 49 to 8. I feel great. WNBC. I am Howard. <laughs> that was my job. To take their musicianship and shit all over it. <laughs> but the other thing that I always want to know from Keith, he did this really weird thing in rock and roll. He, Well, in music, as a musician, he decided, in a way, he's reminds me of the whole Eddie Van Halen thing. He decided one day to rip a string off his guitar, to take a string off and play it as a five-string instrument. Hmm. He didn't like the sound of a guitar with six strings. And, uh, you know, you say to yourself, well, how do you know to do that? Who get, you know, because most people probably would have said to him, listen, you don't take your string off. That's not done. It's a six-string instrument. You get used to that six-string. Yeah, right. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, he it, that's when you get to the musical genius stage. Right. When you hear a sound in your head and you can't get it out of your instrument. Yeah. And you start ripping up the instrument. I hear you. WMBC. I am not BB. I am Howard. From Tattoo You, 1981, WNBC. I give it away free tissue box every hour at WNBC. That would have been the way to go. I'm not BB. <laughs> I am not BB. <laughs> One time I got on the air, I was just like, WNBC, here are a bunch of words that really you don't care about and I don't care about. I'm just talking over the Rolling Stones music right now. In fact, I could say anything, right? I could curse. You probably wouldn't even pay attention. How about I am circumcised? W-L-B-C. <laughs> You're just saying shit. That, nobody paid attention. I remember the best announcers I used to hear. When I was a little boy, I'd listen to WABC radio, which was the mecca for nonsense. If you were really good with a deep voice and you knew how to talk over records and make nonsense... It didn't even matter, you know, it didn't matter what they said. It just sounded good. I'll do it to this one. Mm -hmm. And I'll do it to this one. WNBC. Midnight Butler. That's right. I'm interrupting the song right now and annoying you with my deep voice. I am the walrus, cuckoo, cachoo. Experts, experts, choking, smoker. Don't you know the joker laughs at you? Don't you love this? <laughs> well, I remember Expert. being a kid and you couldn't afford the music, right? You couldn't go out right. and buy a record. And you're trying to tape these things on a cassette player. And then the damn disc jockey would come in. Coming out your wild horse. It. 
WNBC, yeah. Uh, dinosaurs are stupid, as you know. I'm gassy right now. 92 degrees. My balls are stuck to my thighs. You didn't just hear that, did you? Uh, I am BB. Then when you were playing back your music, you had a little bit of the disc jockey because you couldn't cut him out. <laughs> this is one of the greatest riffs, too. What a catalog. I mean, you know, like Bruce sold his catalog. Paul Simon sold his catalog. I wonder if Keith would ever sell his. I mean, what the hell would uh, Keith and Mick get for that catalog? It would be fucking unbelievable. But yeah, I don't know. Do they own it? You know, because a lot of times in those early contracts, lots of crazy things went on. They had some pretty good contracts, the Stones. They yeah. actually hired a guy who, uh, yeah, the, you know, who I think protected them. I could ask Keith about that. The business of the Rolling Stones is fascinating, too, because I can't imagine what that catalog is worth. Now, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot about the rock stars who sell their catalog. And on the one hand, you understand it because you, they go, you know what? I worked my whole life. I, I hit the, you know. I hit the uh, whatever it is the creative lottery and I and I and I worked at this my whole life and now I'm I just want to get all the money from my catalog and put my estate together and I'll leave the money to my children or whatever they want to do with it. But the smart move, the smart move, is not to sell your catalog because think about it: these guys who pay hundreds of millions of dollars for these catalogs, they know something we don't know. They ain't paying, uh, you know, two hundred, three hundred million dollars for a catalog because they think, oh, it'd be cool to own, you know, the Bruce Springsteen catalog. It's not like a painting, yeah. (laughs) No, they're thinking, hmm, I can sit and work this catalog and charge money and collect money. It'll be an annuity for the next seventeen generations of my family. That's why they're buying. When a bank buys a catalog, they know what the fuck they're doing. You know, somebody who knows. How to work this thing. They know how much money yeah. is in it. Yeah. There's more money in there. Than they paid. Oh, That's yeah. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, listen, you live one life and you go, hey, I got all, you know, I could right now, someone could hand me $200 million. You go, what the fuck? Okay. There it is. Yeah. Or you're fielding calls every day because it's a business. Yeah, You know, they want your song for this. They want your song for that. Here's a riff. I don't know if you'd call it a riff or just a beautiful guitar piece. Coach Head Soup. When those you know, this is my maybe my favorite Stone song of all time, Let It Loose. I mean, and listen to this riff. It's this. Well, whatever. Anyway, there are two solo songs. You know, there was a point where Mick and Keith, I don't know whether they weren't getting along or Mick didn't want to write songs and Keith did. There are two songs he put out as a solo artist that I thought were unbelievable. And when I heard them, I went, oh, shit. 
Mick should have Mick shouldn't have broken up with Keith because he would have had those songs. He would have written on those songs. Anyway, my point is, I was talking to Keith Richards last night for five minutes, and, uh, <laughs> and we had a really nice conversation, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. That's good, yeah. Yeah. I had one encounter with Keith ever. I was at some kind of event, and he was sitting at a table with Lauren Bacall. It was like the weirdest table, like Keith Richard and Lauren Bacall are sitting at the same table together. And I couldn't imagine what the conversation could have been like. And then I went to the ladies room and it was up this staircase. And I was, as I was going up the staircase, Keith was coming down the staircase. And I was like, Oh my goodness, there's Keith Richard. And then he got like in, there was this one section that the staircase stopped, you know, it was a little flat. And then you go up another section of the staircase. He got to that point and he turned around and he looked at me and he sort of was leaning against the wall. And he goes, I know you. And then he went <laughs> and disappeared. <laughs> well, so, so these are the two songs that, um, Keith sings on, but also I thought they were the greatest riffs. And I, I listen to this song all the time. It's called Take It So Hard. Um, that's when he had the band Expensive Winos. Uh -huh. um, with that guy with the big hair. What's his name? Um, Waddy Wachtel. Yeah. I love this song. Love that song. And the other riff that he wrote on his solo was uh, a substantial damage. This one. The sexy riff, right? Yeah. Got a lot going on. Yeah. Really good. When, I'm sure when Mick heard those songs, he went, you know, I got to stick with this guy. What well, am I thinking? It also says that he was the perfect singer for Keith. Yeah. Because yeah. that that song is you can even imagine Keith singing it. Yeah. Tom, you're on the air in uh, Tennessee. What up? Yeah, I love you guys. First time, long time. Uh, just quick question, Howard. I mean, you ever, I mean, with all the BS you've had to put up with in your career, I mean, and now you've like the amazing interviews with Bruce Springsteen, Paul Simon, you're going to talk to Keith Richards. Did you ever just sit back and like, wow, this is absolutely amazing? You know, last night I had kind of one of those moments. After I hung up with uh, Keith, I was sitting alone in my office and I was, uh, uh, you know, just sort of, you know, I don't know, I was working, I was doing a lot of work, and I went, all of a sudden I went down, you know, that was just, you know, take a minute and realize yeah, <laughs> you were just on the phone with Keith Richards, like, a guy who really meant, who meant Ooh. so much to me as a kid. I didn't have, um, I don't know, 
it's it's heavy. I didn't have a lot going on, and I I was pretty lost. And one of the few people on this earth who made me respond emotionally was Keith Richards, his music, you know, him and uh, Mick. And uh, geez, I, I all of a sudden went, "Wow, did did that just happen? Was I just talking to Keith, and was he absolutely?" charming and delightful and and whoa <laughs> you know it's funny i was almost going to call like who else could relate to that i was almost going to call my buddy dr lou because we used to sit in college and listen to stones records and i don't know it, it was like something we did we, that's what we right. did if we had a few minutes where we weren't studying or something and i mean i was going to say can you believe i just talked to keeper but i you know I don't know. It just was just a weird moment. Yeah, I was like really moved by it, honestly. Yeah, uh, I would have called anybody that would actually listen to me. Said, oh, yeah, I just spoke to Keith Richards. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, well, my wife got in bed. She goes, oh, did you speak to Keith Richards? I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, it was weird. I, like, I mean, it was like. So non to some nonchalant, like, yeah, I talked to Keith Richards. No big deal. Yeah, but it was like a big deal. It was like, I was like, hey. Keith, hey, what's happening? And he's like, hey, Howard. You know, <laughs> and he, by the way, he really does sound like he's always at a party. I called him in his, uh, I guess his friend or his publicist, I don't know, the, a woman answered the phone and she said, uh, hold on, I'll get, you know, I said, hi, I'm calling for Keith. And, and she said, oh, hold on, I'll go get him. And uh, he's right here. And he goes, hey, Howard. And I was just like, hmm. Was what, there background what? noise or something? Why did you think there was a party? He just sounds like he's at a party. I don't. He, it, there was no background noise, but it just sounds like something fun is happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. It sounds like like who's this woman? Why is he there with her? And what, what is going on? I where mean, like, are they? Yeah, where are they? I was going to ask him where he was, but then I was like, you know, I don't really know him. Uh, you know, I mean, he could he could have been on a pirate ship with Johnny Depp for all I know. I don't know where he is, <laughs> but it sounds like wherever he is, I want to be. Um, wow. Yeah, well, pretty just wild. think of that. He's even a guy who, uh, an actor, decided to be him when he got this part. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah right. he fashioned it after Keith Richards. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, Tom. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Later. Right. Yeah. Such a mark on culture. Hey, Jason in New York, what up? Hey, now. Hey now. Good morning. Hey now. Um, hey now. Hey guys. Uh, two two quick things. So, Katy Perry just sold her catalog for like over two hundred million dollars, which is like completely crazy. Um. Well, uh, and- you know, at first glance, again, I'll say it. Uh, I understand where Katy Perry's coming from. She's like, Jesus, I could sell my catalog for two hundred million, but according to financial people. As much as $200 million is, she would have been better off just holding on to her catalog and working it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't, the, uh, I mean, 200 million thing, sounds like, hey, that sounds want. like you're set up for the rest of your life. So what the hell? It doesn't matter. Yeah, but hey, there's the this scene in, just a second. There's a scene in that movie, that uh, TV show, Winning Time, uh, where a guy offers Magic Johnson a lifetime contract for $25 million. And back in the, 80s or whenever that happened that seems like a lifetime's worth of money right right he took the contract but keep kareem abdul jabbar said that's crazy because he'll be worth so much more as long as he plays he's gonna he just took a sucker's deal that's right you know it's amazing too 
Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be here later. And I, again, I, I was fascinated by his book. It was a point in his career where he had won a couple of titles. He wasn't a movie star yet. And Jack LaLanne, the famous exercise guy who had just started up a chain of gyms, came to Arnold and he said to Arnold, I want you to be the spokesperson. Now, this is back early in the day, before there were gyms, you know, that people went to. And and uh, he said to Arnold, listen, you'd be an excellent uh, representative for Jack LaLanne Gyms. I want you to become our spokesperson. I'll pay you $200,000. And Arnold was like, what the fuck? The $200,000 then was crazy money. Yeah. And especially for a guy who, you know, had a thick Austrian accent and who, who knew who Arnold Schwarzenegger was? Who lifts was? No weights, one. you know? Yeah, who lifts weights. <laughs> and he, and, and he, he had the gumption to go to Jack Lane. Thank you, I'm honored. But no, I, I want to be a movie star. And if I become a shill for the Jack Lane gyms, uh, I won't be taken seriously as a movie star. Now, that takes some balls. That takes some balls. Hey, can I uh, can I just make one more quick comment? Yeah. Hey, so I don't know if other uh, bands feel the same way that I do, but you know this personal phone call that you had with Keith Richards and all these interviews you do, like as a listener, because you ask all the questions that are in my mind, I feel like I'm having the conversation with these guests, and I, it's like a weird feeling. I don't know if anybody else feels like that, but. You know, you hear these quick clips on, like, Good Morning America, these stupid, like, you know, three-minute interviews on, on uh, you know, Mark and Kelly. And, it, you, like, you don't get anything out of those people. But when we listen to, to these people on your show, it's just amazing the, the information that you extract that's in everybody's mind. And uh, I just well, listen, thanks. And- it's a different kind of show. You know, I've, I think about this a lot. We have, uh, because of satellite, God bless Sirius XM, I, you know, because of satellite, we have all this airtime to fill. There's not this pressure of uh, every minute with a commercial and all of this kind of thing. And so uh, we have a rare opportunity here. But, you know, you look at some of these shows, too. Like, I watch a lot of the old Letterman shows over and over and over again. And I'm amazed how in like a 10-minute, 15-minute interview, Dave can make something happen. It's a different art form. You know, long form interviews versus a short form interview. It's it's different. You know what I mean? It's like when you. If you tune into these shows that really are kind of vapid with their one or two or three questions that they pre-written and the, and the host uh, you know gets to ask and then someone answers, there's some sort of art form to that. Just having three minutes with somebody and being able to get something, something going. Um, so it all it's all quite fascinating. But for me. To sit with Keith Richards and have a little bit of time with him. And I mean, the other the day was unbelievable for me to sit there with Paul Simon, a guy who, again, that, that, I mean, I can't tell you what his music means to me and his place in our culture. And to me, he's more important than any president of the United States. His music moved me. Uh, he's, he's certainly more important than any religious figure I've ever encountered. Um, because, He's real and he makes you feel and he has something to say that really is kind of cool. And the music, too, makes you feel something. So to sit in a room with this guy for two and a half hours and be able to ask him whatever I want, it's just so mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And and I prefer it. I don't want to sit with a guy for ten minutes. I understand that some shows are built around that, and people enjoy that, too. You know, they they do. They enjoy, like, hey, that guy dropped by, and it was cool. They asked him this, this, and that was the end of it. 
I don't know. It, it's all, I love it's where all the good. show has evolved to. Like, I miss, I miss the early days of Sirius. I called in in 2006 during a wild, wild segment. Um, and, like, that was awesome. But I do really love where it's evolved to. And, uh, you know, every I, I drive a lot for work, and I'm in the car a lot. And you know what? It's great. I love it. And uh, you yeah. guys have been well, wonderful. Well, that's it. We're going to miss you when Look. you're gone. A couple of years ago, I said to all the whole gang that works here, uh, the show always has to evolve. The show always has to change. It always has to be something where, and this is the key to the show, where someone is in their car and they have something to listen to for a long time. Because especially where I grew up in New York and the way I saw my father commute to work every day, it was brutal. My father would be trapped in that car for an hour and a half, two hours sometimes. And I'd sit there and go, ooh, if you could put on a show that somebody would love for two hours, two hours, you know, not some bullshit show, but like a show where people are laughing or they're thinking or whatever or having a good time or they get to know the crew, uh, it'll be awesome. It would be just awesome. And that that was my dream. And, and, and so, you know, that's where we're at, even after all these years, so many years of doing this. And I'm thinking about, you know, I got two and a half years left here. Maybe that's going to be it. I hang it up. But um, two and a half. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's October. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? How many years do we have left? Like, How many years do we have left? in a couple of months. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, well that's why you're there's not six you months left in this year. Show. No. I want to see, I want to see you do either a game show or like just a, you know, maybe a once a month Netflix thing. If you decide to retire, maybe you do nothing at all and you just you just go away and you do whatever the hell you want. And you know, and that's it. And I don't know. We got such a good crew here, good. though. You know, we got such a good team that that's the only thing that keeps me from doing it. We have such a great bunch of people who work here. He loves um, us so much. He yeah. He can't stop seeing us. <laughs> well, it seems a shame to have built something so <laughs> so know. perfect and, and and so much fun and uh, have so many good people. It would be terrible to disband it. Actually, I'm trying Sometimes to figure out a way. I watch you with the with the group, and I'm like, wow, that's you know, it's like incredible. Really, it's really incredible what has been built here. It's a lot of people hey, who really hey, work hard on more, the show. Yeah. One more quick question. Hey, uh. When when you're when you're getting intimate with Beth, are you still just amazed that you are with like with a woman like that? Because yeah. I've been with my wife 19 years, and every time is like the first time. It's it's a it's really kind of bizarre, but I love it. I'm wondering if you feel the same way when you're with her because she is a she is a beauty. Yeah, I sit there and I go, what the fuck? Well, what is she doing, doing with me? <laughs> She's letting me put. Yeah, like what? Like how did she get in my house and she doesn't seem to want to leave? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm amazed every day. I really am. I'm like, wow. Like, she's like a really nice person and she's hot and everything. Yeah. I'm like, you know. And then when I'm, my penis is inside of her, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> she's letting me put my penis in there. <laughs> Yesterday was our uh, 15th uh, wedding anniversary. And, uh, ah, it is yeah, October. It was October. And uh, we've been together 25 years, but, uh, you know, we waited like 10 years to get married. So, it, you know, I gave her flowers. She gave me a couple of cards that she'd written out. And then I was like, hmm, we should have sex. But then I, I ran upstairs to call Keith Richards. And then uh, <laughs> I was I was thinking about Arnold Schwarzenegger the rest of the night doing my homework. Oh, and we just got in bed goodness. and fell asleep. Yeah, we didn't uh, <laughs> we didn't consummate. I said, 
and, and she had a nice dress on and stuff for dinner. And I was like, hey, I should bang you for our anniversary. She goes, look, we don't have to bang on our anniversary. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have like, where's that written? I go, it seems to me we should. You know, it seems to me. You got important. your rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it seems to me like that's a milestone that should be celebrated. You know what I mean? It, it should be. And she was like, don't, don't, don't get all neurotic, but you know, don't get, you know, she knows I've got like OCD. Like it's yeah. not unlucky. It's not unlucky if we don't have sex. I go, well, I don't feel too lucky when I don't have sex. So, <laughs> so we didn't have sex on our anniversary. And, but, uh, I made a plan that, uh, I'm going to take her out to dinner Thursday night and then I'm supposed to have sex. So then romance, but, then romance. Yeah. I've got it all. How slated long do you in think my- you'll last? Like how, how, how many pumps do you think you'll last? Like. It's 15, funny thing. 20. I'll tell you how you know when you're with the right woman. This is my, after my, you know, my limited experience with women. <laughs> with Beth, I can go, now, now look, I can go a fairly long time for me. That's like three minutes. In other words, maybe even a little longer. Is this Maybe. the whole act or just the pumping act? I'm talking about the pumping act. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 the me, the me uh, whining uh, beforehand, I'm not counting that as sex. You probably get a lot of pumps in because you have a small penis, so you get way Thank more you. pumps in in three yeah. minutes than, than a guy with a huge cock. Yeah, I got to work it. Well, think about it. He's right. If you have a lot okay. of length, to just to pull back and forth is a, is a oh, long amount of time. Okay, yeah. I'm not thinking that way. Okay. He's got, no, the, but I, you know, he's doing the algebra. I know in my lifetime, some women were with me and I would, it would be over in one second, not even, one pump. <laughs> and they were probably like, wow, I have no chemistry with this guy. But with Beth, I always had some chemistry where I could satisfy her. So uh-huh. I feel we're good together. Um but uh, when you, you, you and Jason's right, when you don't have a big schlong, you got to be like a sewing machine. You ever see a sewing machine move? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got that way. There's more action. You know, there's more I going see. on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always fashion my moves after a sewing machine. <laughs> uh, Thank you know God what I mean? for that singer guy who invented <laughs> yeah, the singer. sewing machine, so you knew he, what to do. <laughs> he was my hero, the guy who invented the sewing machine. We'll be interviewing him next. Uh, but thank you, Jason. I uh, appreciate it. Hey, and uh, there you go. Right. Later. Thanks. Yeah, I would have said to Katy Perry, maybe don't don't sell that catalog so fast. Let them work that thing a little bit. Well, again, but. you d- you never know just how big a business it is and and how much it takes from a person's life trying to manage that catalog. Cause I think that's what a lot of people are also trying to get out from under. Yeah. Uh, Paul was saying that, you know, uh, he didn't want to burden his children with it. Nobody seems to be sitting there going, Oh, I want to have that as my business. Hey, Clint, you're on the air in Canada. Howard, I've been listening to your show for years and nothing has ever made me laugh as much as your dedication to Harry Harrison when he passed away. Oh, man, that was wild. Harry Harrison, I did it. I don't even remember doing that. When Harry Harrison died, I did a dedication to him? It was like five years ago. You did a tribute to Harry Harrison. Uh, You had Leslie Jones on the show afterwards. Hmm. And um, during the Harry Harrison thing, you were talking about how uh, you've got to have a big, deep voice and you can say anything you want and they'll just... (laughs) Keep going with it. Nobody even notices what yeah. you're saying. 
Harry Harrison was the uh, Harry Harrison was the morning man at WABC Radio. He had a jingle. Right. Harry Harrison, WABC. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, man. Well, you know what? I almost didn't go into radio because of guys like Harry Harrison. They had such professional voices and deliveries. I said, my voice doesn't sound like, I mean, how am I going to do, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how guys do, I mean, I've been in radio over 40 years and I'm like, I still don't know how to do it. I don't know how those guys do it. I don't even know how they get the records on that fast. I've seen, I had a friend in college who used to do top 40 radio he, he, and then he went on to do radio in New Hampshire. I don't know what happened to him. I went up to visit him. I went, oh, fuck. I got to work on one of those radio stations where dudes talk like normal people because to be a top 40 DJ, you got to be really good. And I'm not good. <laughs> and you got to be on top of everything because oh they're God, like moving yeah. at the speed of light sometimes. I don't know how you learn to do that. Harry Harrelson. I think guys I mean, practice that. Harry Harrelson. Hi, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to do. No one told me what to do. I was just like, hey, I got to go to one of those radio stations, like a rock radio station, where the people sound like they're out of their minds, like stoned. Right, they're, they're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hi, this is Howard Stern. <laughs> you know, guys in, in rock radio were like, you know, not that professional. And they didn't necessarily have to have a voice, you know, anything yeah. would do. Like, I've asked uh, Scott Shannon about that. I go, how did you know how to do top 40 radio? Where do you learn that? I mean, you know, like talking fast and going from record to record. It's like, how you doing? It's Harry Harrison. Good morning, WABC. How are you, love? You know, I was like, whoa. Herb Oscar Anderson, all those guys. Crazy. Here, here's Harry Harrison, WMCA. WMCA, good guys, Harry Harrison. Good morning. It gives you satisfaction like the stones. You don't even know what the yeah. fuck he just said. What I was going to say. What did he just right. say? I used to listen to these guys. goes, am I going insane? I was a kid. And I, wa- <laughs> I, I want to be on the radio. That was my only dream. And I, go, I have no idea what they're talking about. They're complete idiots. I could listen to that 10 times. I wouldn't know what he's talking about. I think I know, he said something about taking a survey. I was like, what? Well, <laughs> he said, number one, uh, the Stones again are the number one with satisfaction on the survey. Because they used to have the WMCA oh. survey. Oh, I which thought he was, was taking a survey. <laughs> no, he didn't take it. In fact, they would just copy down Billboard's top 100 and they would call it the WMCA survey. But but even still, you don't know what he's talking about. Like you, You're like, what? What, what, what is that? Satisfaction, like the It's like, why bother talking over this beautiful song? But that's what the job was. You had to keep the music moving and you had to talk up to the vocal. Thank, you know, that's how vocals got started in music. They wanted the DJ to shut the fuck up. Otherwise, they wouldn't know when to stop. They just keep blathering away with idiot, idiotic statements. DJs are idiots. By the way, I worked in the industry a long time. Nobody, most, most of the guys I worked with, you know, some of them were just outright drug fiends. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I worked with a guy who used to sit and drink, um, uh, Codeine, like a cough syrup, the whole shift. It was crazy. 
Uh, Rolex, hey, give, give me a little word. Rolex Stoltz, latest love, hey, goes Harry Harris at H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S-D-U-V-W-X-Y-Z. That's a little bit of the alphabet for you. Rolex Stoltz, number one on the stern line. Rolex Stoltz, W-N-C-A. It didn't matter. And they'd always so try hard. to use the title of the song in whatever, you know, yeah. it gives you yeah. satisfaction and so does, yeah. Mecca, hi, my, Mecca, honey, ho. I uh, got the Rolly Souls radio. <laughs> Making the boys Trini. like he knows them. <laughs> Chitty, Chitty, bang, bang, yeah. Just speaking to Keith Richards last night on the telephone. No Number one on the server. <laughs> Satisfaction, like the stones. One of the good guys survey first in the USA on WMCA, of course. Making all the boys. Number one again this week. Making all the boys. The satisfaction, number one again of the good guys survey WMCA. Mick Jagger and all the Rolling Stones. Oh, Mick's got a birthday later on this month. Uh, we'll wish him happy birthday then. And I'm a couple of days late, but happy birthday to Ian Whitcomb from his fans. Had a note in the mail this morning from uh, Linda and Deborah and Charlie and Rosemary and Fern and Jeannie and Franny and Terry. Uh, he really turns what? it on. Happy birthday. A couple of days late. 24, huh? Ian Whitcomb. <laughs> Happy birthday. It's 74 degrees and sunny. 23 <laughs> past 11. In a few minutes, another running of the Good Guy Derby. Sounds like a drunk auctioneer. We want to give away a lot of money today. Phone right now if you can. Judson. Right now if you can. Fee, five, four, five. I smell the blood of an Englishman. And we're going to get right back to that in just a moment. I'm speaking in tongues now. Satisfaction is number one. Humming, humming, humming. I'm having a stroke. If someone could call the hospital for me right now, it would be really impressive. Because I'm about to die. Hello? <laughs> It's crazy. I, I used oh, to think it was a rather soulless job. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, not, why would I want to choose that as a profession? <laughs> Two oh nine hundred. Easy question, Elvis Presley on Radio WMCA Monday morning. He must have been exhausted after his shift. You chose this profession because you're just as crazy as he is. You're just in a different manner. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I think... Uh, I've got to tell you, my dad was in the car with me when that tribute was playing. My dad's late 70s. And when he was listening, my dad's a huge Rolling Stones fan. And every time uh, Satisfaction started playing, my dad was like starting to get into it. And then it would cut and you'd do your little thing. And my dad thought it was a real broadcast. So he was like, what the fuck are they doing? Why aren't they playing the song? I want to hear the fucking song. They keep talking. And I was like, Dad, this is a, it's a, it's a shtick. It's Howard doing his thing. And he's just like, well, I don't, I don't want to hear his thing. I want to hear the fucking song. Like, why isn't he I was annoying him. I was like, oh, you're killing my dad. And I was literally, I was dying in my seat. I had to pull off the road because I was laughing so hard. But he, for the rest of the day, he was like, I don't understand what was going on on that radio show. But I didn't even get to hear my fucking song. And I can't find my Rolling Stones. CD. <laughs> he was all confused, he, your dad. Yeah. Uh, he was so pissed. Yeah, my dad yeah, used to get uh, my dad my dad would get pissed off at radio so much. I, I thanks, Clint. I'm sure that's why I went into radio. My radio was you know, my dad was a radio engineer and I saw the way he looked at radio announcers. So I mean it's you don't have to be Sigmund Freud to figure it out. I'm sure that's what was going on, even though I wasn't aware You'd of it. You'd get his attention, you know. Yeah. He, he loved those radio guys. Oh, he was so, he was like Mr. Expert on radio. He was just like, I got a guy like 
Bob Grant on the, shh, they're busy with the news. Who the hell wants to hear the news? I can hear the news anywhere. Let Bob Grant talk. That's what I tune in for. Not to hear the news that they got commercials and then the news. The whole time I'm sitting in the car, I don't hear Bob Grant. <laughs> what are you carrying on about? I'm explaining to him. I'm like, okay, I get it. He well, thought you the program. Thank you for that. You took that philosophy and made it a living. He thought that the fucking guys who programmed uh, Bob Grant's radio station were fucking morons. And you didn't think they were morons trying to make you do school closings? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, my father was right. I used to say, I would even say to the program director, guys, I'm the morning man. Why, why are you, why are you like putting on all this other shit during the show? We used to break for, uh, Paul Harvey news. Nobody wanted to hear that. And the program director would tell me, yeah, yeah, well, he's got, he's got huge ratings, Paul Harvey. I go, yeah, but we're a rock station and wouldn't you rather hear me do something dumb like call Japan and try to get Paul McCartney out of prison than <laughs> Paul Harvey news? <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, my father would go nuts. Oh, would he go nuts over the radio? Those idiots. Every half hour, they do five minutes of news. I heard the news. He'd scream. He'd start yelling in the car. Well, he'd get all I worked up. And, you and wanted he, to get rid of everything on NBC. There was would, the traffic. Yeah. There was well, I, I even said the to the news. general, I'd walk into the general <laughs> manager's office. I go, you're stopping every minute to go to Ross. I, I said it to pig virus. I go, pig virus. There. By the way, conversations never go well when you call your boss pig virus to start off. But anyway, I go, uh, pig virus, you got to understand something. You, no one wants to hear the, the Ross Frank's a nice woman. She's doing the traffic, but nobody wants to hear that. You don't understand something. Next to Mr. Imus, Ross Frank is our most identifiable personality on the station. I go, well, that's true because you have her on every fucking 10 minutes with the traffic. <laughs> no one cares. You are wrong. I go, people are listening to the show. They want to hear me. In fact, quite frankly, they don't even want to hear the music. They want to hear me. Yeah, well, you think you're bigger than Roz Frank. I'll show you research that says no one even knows who you are. Oh, great. I feel real good about myself. Thanks. The traffic, the traffic girl is more important to the station than me. Great. That's really good. I didn't know where that came from. Your dad, uh, his outpouring of, of angst after he couldn't hear Bob Grant. Oh my God. My father would go nuts. Don't become a program director. What? Stay on the air. It's a loser's job. You think you could pick all the music for an entire radio station? You won't have a career. Stay on the air. <laughs> they wanted to make me the program. They made me the program director. And I was going to give up my air shift. My father went berserk. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so the boss came to me, this Israeli guy, and he goes, uh, you'll be program director. So I was like, okay. I said, but I'm um, staying on the air. No, you're terrible on the air. Because <laughs> you, <always get> <laughs> you should just be program director. 
<laughs> I said, no, you'll be, I'm going to stay on the air and I, I need to do that too. And he said, okay, but still same money, 250 a week. That's it. <laughs> oh, no raise. <laughs> no raise. <laughs> well, my father was right. You know, he was right. He was right. Stay on the air. It's a loser's game program director. You know. What are you going to do? Elaine, you're on the air in Oklahoma. Hey, Howard, it's Elaine from Oklahoma. I just have a quick question. How do you announce the music? How do you do that play beforehand? Do you have a timer? You do it so beautifully. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, one thing I do know, the top 40 guys, they have the song um, on a computer. But in the old days, we you played records. So you didn't, you know, you kind of knew how long the intro was. They would write right. on this little thing called a cart. They would write that and you got 25 seconds or something. But when I do it, I don't look at it. I just, I'm like a, a Jedi master. I just go with the feel of the song. You just I play agree. the song. Yeah. And then, and then there's tricks you can do. You take little pauses and then you wait and, and you kind of hear what's happening. And, but think about it. I mean, I'm good at talking over the music. I mean, it's insulting to the musicians. It's insulting to me. <laughs> it's just the whole thing. It's insulting to radio. Well, I think you do a great job at it. And I just want to say, I love that you talk about how much you love your wife. I think it's a beautiful thing that you do, and it's encouraging to men. And keep on doing it. All right. And I'm going to keep doing it. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. That's Elaine. Yeah, I guess she's referring to the fact that Bill Maher was a little upset with me that I said I love my wife too much. Did he have an explanation? No explanation. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. He, he, yeah, I, 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 it's fine. What am I going to do? I just don't like, understand why that irritated him so much. <laughs> uh, I have theories on it, but <laughs> I don't want to get into it. We patch things up pretty much. So I'll shut my yap. You know, I, 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 I'll ask him in private one day. What the heck you was go. up your ass that day? <laughs> As the holiday bells ring out the old year and sweethearts kiss and old hands touch and warm each other against Harry Harris. Head, may I wish you not the biggest and best of life, but the small pleasures that make living worthwhile. Wow, no one got sentimental and yeah. uh, stopped all that yucking it up. Ah, uh, you belong to me. You're mine every morning on <laughs> CBS FM, back by special request. All right? It's 16 minutes to 8 o'clock in the morning. Good yawning. Oh, wake up and smell the coffee with Harry Harrison and the morning team on CBS FM. You mean it's 16 minutes to 8 o'clock already, huh? 7.44. Everybody got there to... Time two wow. times. Wow. Yeah, 7.44. Three. Three times. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> I wish you a day with no static cling. I really, truly do. Yours truly, Harry Harrison, calling out you. Outside. And we have done it. Hey, Holiday spirit, huh? That's right. We're into the holidays. Thanks for all the Thanksgiving Day cards. And Thanksgiving Day. I'm drunk as a skunk. I shit myself. No wonder my pants stunk. <laughs> That's right. You don't know what I'm talking about. What's the difference? We're here. WMCA. Good morning, love. Happy holiday to you and the family. Uh, okay. Mr. G's weather and shadow traffic coming up. He came back as the gambler on TV. Kenny Rogers. Here's a song that inspired the movie. CBS. On a warm summer's eve. <laughs>
Oh, we almost stepped on uh, Kenny Rogers. I know. CBS. That's the other trick you do. If you're if you're just about to step on the, you go CBS. <laughs> <laughs> he could get his hand smacked for that. The program director will come down. Yeah. Just ran over a homeless person on the way to the studio. Did I just confess to a crime? Okay, we did a hit and run. <laughs> but that's what program directors did. They they got upset with you if you almost talked over the vocal. Oh, yeah. You're in big trouble. Pig virus would be what a very job. upset. What a yeah, job. He would, yeah. WNBC. Well, he was upset if you hit the vocal or if you... If you stepped on the vocal or if you didn't say WNBC and say it the right way on the way out, you had to leave the listener with WNBC, no matter what you were saying. Like, that's why none of this makes sense. Yeah. You'd say, like, you were worried about saying WNBC in time, so you couldn't make sense. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, you know, and you're worried about your delivery and everything's going. And all of a sudden you see the records running out. You, Oh, my God, the records go. Uh, WNBC. <laughs> <laughs> and then pig virus would come running in and goes, you didn't say WNBC, you're supposed to say NBC. And I go, dude, I was running out of time. You're supposed to be a professional. You're supposed to know what you're doing. I go, I don't know what I'm doing. This is stupid. This is not what I do. I got famous in Washington not doing this. Oh, don't you know? Well, you should leave then. I go, oh, yeah, you want me to quit, don't you? <laughs> Oh, what a nightmare. Anyway, God bless Sirius XM. That's what we're here now. And it's took it all away. Took it all. Took away all my pain. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Where was I? Yeah, Arnold will be here a little later on. And oh, my God, I got so much to get to. Hmm. We're never going to get to it. I'm so bad. I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but we'll never get to it. Too busy. Hey, by the way, uh, I do want to bring up, uh, before I uh, talk to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I do. Ronnie, where's Ronnie? He's getting married soon. Are you aware, Ronnie? <laughs> yeah. Are you aware of what's going on in Vegas? What's going what on in about? Vegas? What? 